Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 342. And tonight, we are recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We're going to start with episode 223, which is available on the Webtoons app for free right now. And then we're going to go into 224, which is only available if you are fast passing it. We will give everybody a big heads up ahead of time. But um, yeah, you know what? We were kind of irritated uh, last time we recorded Laura Olympus because it didn't look like they were going to move the story forward with regards to Apollo and Persephone, and it is true, they didn't. However, I do think there was a lot accomplished in these last two episodes. We got some backstory that I was really interested in this time to find out, okay, wait a minute, how did this happen? So yeah. now we know, and I really do believe it was the right choice, but... I don't know. I've been reading the comments from certain people, and I have some disagreements, but we'll probably get to that. Okay. Okay. All right. So we start out the episode, we pick up where it left off. You know, of course, Hades and Persephone are having a nice, very nice moment in bed, and Ares shows up outside and is drunk and yelling for Persephone. And so we pick up the episode, and Persephone is freaking out because she had told Ares that she would go on a date with him, which she tells Hades. Like, it's not this kind of like, oh, I'm going to keep it a secret from... They always tell each other everything. And she says, it's my fault. You know, I told him that I would go on a date with him. And I loved how Hades reacted to that. Yeah, he said, it's his fault that he came here. And I just said, that's very true. I mean, when you tell somebody something like that, yes, I'll go on a date with you, that does not entitle somebody to come and shout drunkenly in the rain in their driveway in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. The entire time, Hades is just like, I'm going to handle it. You do not have to come downstairs. This is not not your fault and nothing gives somebody the right to act like that and so it's all like like their whole relationship it's so healthy so Hades is just like stomping downstairs and you can see how angry he is because his body is starting to transform like you see as he's stomping down the stairs his feet are like expanding into these long talons and he is just absolutely furious and he is going to kick some absolute ass and he goes downstairs and Ares is kneeling on the ground in tears and Hades' reaction is, fuck. So it's just, Ares is just, I mean, he's drunk, but he's miserable. And that's, and Hades recognizes that. And it's just, Hades isn't going to kick somebody when they're down. It's just not in him. So he brings Ares upstairs to listen to him cry. Yeah. I think it really helps that, of course, Hades is angry because obviously Persephone is really upset and he knows how Persephone has been, you know, trying to get past this trauma and that to have something like this happen where somebody is showing up acting like they're entitled to something because she said she'd give them a date and everything. But the first thing that Ares tells him is something like, you know, I just, I miss Aphrodite so bad. And I think that really helped to kind of diffuse things with Hades because Ares wasn't there saying, I want to have sex with Persephone. And she said, no, the first thing he says is, is that he's in love with another woman. And so, of course, Hades is like, oh, fine. <laughs> and he says, it's going to be okay. And Ares says, that's a bullshit thing that people say when they're in love. So right there, Ares is acknowledging that. Hades is in love with Persephone. So, and that's, I, I, we'll get into this more with the next episode, but it's just, Ares is incapable of saying anything other than the absolute truth all the time. And I, 
I love that because it's not this frat boy bullshit of I'm sorry, you're so upset, you know, that apology, non-apology sort of thing. Aries just says what the absolute truth is. And it's always just, you feel like you're about to push against a wall of some kind of bullshit. And then Aries just says what's going on. And I find that so refreshing. It's really nice. And so, you know, Hades, and I know that Persephone does kind of sneak down for a little bit. Now, here's what I wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. When Hades goes downstairs, Persephone's in the bed, and of course she's just kind of like, ugh, you know, they they were about to have this nice moment and everything, and it just got ruined, and she feels like she's responsible. And there's this image that she's thinking of, which almost looks a little bit like Hades, but maybe it's Kronos. It's kind of this stylized image with like a large blue eye and everything. And it's saying something over and over like, you're not welcome here. What? was that about? I think the words were, you don't belong here. And I didn't see that as a silhouette of Hades or Kronos. I saw it as a silhouette of Apollo. And I really feel like it's still part of her trauma. But I think she's always going to be kicking herself about the idea that she didn't do more to stop Apollo when he assaulted her. And now she's just like, you know, this whole idea that she told Ares that she would go on a date with him, even though Ares was like keeping her from getting further into the underworld when she was trying to find out what happened to Hades. And she said she has to go. And he said, I'll let you go if you go to dinner with me. And she said, coffee. And he said, a lunch date. And she said, one lunch date. And I don't want want to see your penis and he said fine <laughs> so she didn't lead Aries on at all no. but she's still going to think like you know okay so this happened because she did this and it's going to drag her back to the assault happened with Apollo because she wasn't strong enough in telling him no right 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 so Hades does talk to Aries for a while and just tells him all the things that you gotta say you know it's just like I know this really hurts right now but you will feel better. You know, he's trying to be as reassuring as he can, but he does tell him something along the lines of, you know, if you ever do something like this again, I'm going to drop kick you under the sun. (laughs) Yes, and I think Aries is even a little, you know, wants to know why he's being so nice to him. So again, it's Aries acknowledging the reality of the situation. So Hades does go back upstairs after a while, and Persephone, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, obviously Aries is such a sex pest and so irritating. She does ask how he's doing. And he says he's drunk and crying and miserable, but he's asleep now. And um, Persephone had wandered into a cinema room that Hades had built in his mansion. And he just like, oh, this is my embarrassing room. I only used it a handful of times. And Persephone's like, I've never actually gone to the movies. And so, of course, they sit down and watch a movie. And I think, uh, you know, Hades probably didn't want his night derailed like Ares did. But now they're just like, Okay, so they watch, and it's obviously a Laura Olympus version of Metropolis, because you see the robot or the cyborg or whatever it is symbol, but it's got the long nymph ears, so which I thought was perfect. So they're really enjoying it. And, you know, just more make out between um, Hades and Persephone, which is always delightful to watch. It is sweet. But you've got Ares, and he's kind of hanging out and he's looking at his phone and being sad and everything and he's obviously called up a chat window with Aphrodite and he's sitting there and he's sitting there and then he finally texts I miss you 
and then you see Aphrodite and you see the phone kind of light up with his message and you find that Aphrodite's in bed with Hephaestus. Yes, it's absolutely, I mean, you can even see the part where his arm is sort of cut off, like where his golden arm would normally be. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely Hephaestus. So yes, I believe we have confirmation that she is married to him. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that we do. And then that ends up this episode. So now we're going to go into episode 224, which once again, it's only available if you fast pass it. So heads up. But it kind of picks up where the previous episode left off, sort of. This is definitely an episode all about Aphrodite and her relationship. But we, all right, so change that. We go back a little ways because we see the three brothers, Hades, Zeus, and Poseidon, and they're sitting on a beach somewhere and they're talking about who Zeus is going to get married to. Yeah, and you can see it's really big flashback because Hades is still completely covered in bandages with a you know cloak from after he was uh, torn apart by Kronos, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, Zeus is being a jerk. He's like, well, Hera's more beautiful in every way, but Demeter has really nice legs. And Hades says, you know, I really like Hera, and I made this for her, and it's a little statue of a dog. And Zeus is being a jerk about it. He says, well, Hera isn't interested in your sad little dog. And then Poseidon, you know, gets both their attention. He's like, wait a minute, do you guys see the same thing I'm seeing? And they're seeing Aphrodite coming out of the waves, which is the myth version of how she was created. I think in the myth, it was when Kronos was chopped into pieces and thrown into the sea that she was born out of that. So she's kind of a child of Kronos. Obviously, it's a little different here because Kronos wasn't killed. No, yeah, but he was defeated. So maybe, I don't know, they could say that it was from his blood or something falling into the sea. Could be. And of course, Zeus takes off and he's the first to greet her. And there's this wonderful thing where she's sort of speaking for herself. You know, she's the goddess of love and sex and she said i can ruin or make your whole life with a glance you know yes and she says i am not beautiful i am beauty so mm-hmm. she is the personification of sexual desire there's a beautiful picture of her in like a traditional greek robe whatever but she's sitting in this you know come hither pose and of mm-hmm. course rachel knocking out of the park as usual just so many beautiful images but eventually You know, you do see Zeus, I think, like bowing to her, kissing her hand or whatever. But they do end up going towards her relationship with Ares. And she said something along the lines of, you know, we weren't perfect, but we were like we were perfect together. You know, they were just made for each other. Yeah. And we didn't was it we belong to each other, but we belong to no one. And she said she had never known the sting of rejection until recently. And the first thing she says is Hades' comment in the beginning of this entire uh, series when he said that Persephone would put Aphrodite to shame. And I think she reacted very badly to that. Mm -hmm. It all ended up working out well. But that's not something you say about the goddess of desire, to say that somebody's more beautiful than her. But, you know, then she's talking about Ares, thinking, you know, that they belong to each other until something happened and we flash back to the trial and she's walking through the hallways of the courthouse and she overhears a conversation and it's Ares telling Hera that he wants to marry Persephone. And I didn't realize that Ares had gone that far. I mean, Ares talked to Zeus at one point about the idea of marrying Persephone and saying that it would actually have been fun to do that 
um, just to make Zeus squirm about the idea yeah. of the god of war and a goddess like Persephone being married. Yep, yep, yep. And he's in the middle of trying to convince Hera of this, and Hera's not buying any of this. Nobody buys any of this. And then he looks up and he sees that Aphrodite heard everything. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And she's, you know, furious. And he's telling her it's just a formality. And she at one point asks him, like, why would you want her? And he said something along the lines of she's like on a higher social circle than her or something. I'm just checking here. Hang on. Yeah, because, you know, she asked him right out, do you love her? And Aries Mm -hmm. says, no. And you see Hera is just like, excuse me, with a little, you know, sound effect leaving. So she just (laughs) cringes her way out of that one. But uh, Aphrodite wants to know why. And he says she just has better social pedigree. And this goes back to the idea of Ares. He's incapable of lying. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, we saw him lie once in this whole series when he first met Persephone and he convinced her that he didn't know how to read so that she would spend days teaching him how to read and like, you know, so he could work his way close to her. But other than that, when people ask him about something, about why he's being a jerk, he just says the absolute truth. When we first saw him, he was with Persephone, and they were waiting in a long line of employees to see Hades, and he got her really mad because he thought that was fun. And Hades confronts him afterwards. He's like, she's less than a century old. She doesn't have the stamina for your games. And Aries says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt her. I just wanted to get a ride out of her for my own entertainment. And I remember thinking about that, like, wow, he just said the absolute truth. You would expect him to give like this sort of bullshit, well, it's not really my fault excuse. But no, he just says what exactly happened. It's just very, it is really refreshing. But in this case, though, it's not helping him because when he tries to tell, you know, Aphrodite is stomping away and he tries to tell her something like, you know, it's just a for it would have just been a formality. She looks over her shoulder at him and I remember what she said about how I can make her ruin your whole life with just a glance and everything. That's what she's doing right at that moment. She's looking at him and she's just like, we are done. We are absolutely done. And you see the shock in his face as he realizes what's happening. And she stomps out of the room and she's by herself and she you just there's several panels you just watch her just lose it. She's just so sad. Yeah, she is. And then she's crying and she sees somebody and it's Hephaestus and he's working on his computer in the room and she's like what are you doing here and Hephaestus is like ah I booked this room through a website I can send you the email if you need it because he's just like do you think he's autistic Hephaestus or yeah he's on the spectrum somehow because like the social clues occasionally miss him a little bit I mean he's very high functioning obviously but like she's I think she's a little intrigued by him because he's not immediately falling all over himself for her. But she does ask him at one point, you know, who's prettier, me or Persephone? And he literally says, is this a trick question? You know, he's just he's not he's not interested in any games. Yeah, but she says, I really want to know. And he says, you. And she says, why? Be objective. (laughs) He says, do you want me to objectify you? And she said, sure, you have my permission. And he says, I 
think you're making fun of me. And she says, I really want to know what you think. And he said, why would the goddess of desire want to know what I think? And then he puts his headphones in and you see the rest of her dialogue is all fuzzed out because he's not listening to her. He's not going to play the game. So she stomps away. So right there, he's not interested in making an idiot of himself over her, which is got to be unusual. So it's, it's a different situation from the original myth because I... If you read some of the interpretations of the original myth, she agreed to marry him because she could control him. Because all of the other gods would react so badly to her because she would want to be able to continue her dalliances with other people. But Hephaestus, he wasn't going to play any games. And I think we see a little bit of that here. So I could definitely see her liking that because she told Ares right out, you know, I, I keep your house, I raise your children, I don't care who you invite into your bed, but this is too much. And that's mm-hmm. and that's it, because he had decided, Aries had decided that she wasn't marriage material. And that is yeah. a really shitty thing to say to anybody, much less the person you are currently sleeping with. Oh my goodness, yes. But we have a time jump at this point. You know, we see the last time we see her and him interacting together, she's stomping out of the room. But then we see she's in bed with him and she gets the message from Aries, you know, something like, I miss you. And you see her pick up her phone and she looks at it for a bit and then she texts, let's meet in our usual place. And then you see she's left a note for Hephaestus that says, I've gone to get coffee. And of course, all this time, we're just like, oh my God, woman, why would you meet him? We also see him checking his phone. But this is, spoilers, a deliberate misdirect on Rachel Smythe's part. Because she goes to a coffee shop and she's sitting there and then she looks up and she looks very pleased. And I thought for a second it was some, you know, green god or fawn or something like that who had little earbuds in or whatever. But then that person steps away and it's Psyche. And I didn't know who that was at first. I thought it was maybe just a friend of hers, but I forgot. Yes, that is what Psyche looks like when she's not disguised as a nymph. And she's she's got wings. And Persephone says, I'm so glad you decided to meet me. So, and, th- and then we flash to Ares, and Ares is looking down at his phone at the message he sent, and he gets an alert that says, message not sent because the recipient has blocked you. And yep. that's where the episode ends. And I'm yep. wondering, did she even get that I miss you message, or was that a message from Psyche checking in on her? Because I don't know. It's, it's not very clear. It could be that she had already blocked Ares, and that she never knew that he was trying to get up with her. Yep. 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 Though, interestingly enough, if you do block somebody on most social medias and messages and everything, it doesn't tell you you've been blocked all the time. Yes, because that is the thing. There is nothing to aggravate somebody who is trying to get up with somebody who's blocked them. It just goes into a black hole and you have no idea if they're ignoring you or if they never got your message. That's right. So, and that's, that's where we leave it. So yes, I was very irritated by this idea. I'm like, oh God, can we please hear about Apollo? But I have to admit the last two episodes were very fun. Yeah, and we were getting, I read an article with uh, Rachel Smythe, and I think it was from, it might have been from a while ago, but she likes the idea of going back and filling in the origin stories and the information about the 10 years that happened while Persephone was banished to the mortal realm. And 
I like the idea that she likes this process, that she's yes. enjoying the idea of telling this story like that, because it's not like we're paying her a whole lot of money for every single episode. Nope. So I want her to tell the story the way she wants to, that's not exhausting her, that's not having to kowtow to fans. It's just because she's done such a fantastic job. Let's let her keep going. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness. So many pretty images in these last two issues too. I mean, just yeah. beautiful. Because um, uh, like there was a shot where Hades, you know, she said, I'm really sorry about this, about Ares. And he said, Ares wouldn't have been able to handle you. And she said, oh, and you think you could? And then just like that wicked smile that she's got is wonderful. <laughs> also, his response to that was, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for Laura Olympus. Only other thing I want to talk about, I did actually finish up the current season of The Crown, and I did enjoy it. Now, Hannah had heard that they were being a little too nice to Prince Charles in the whole storytelling. I felt like while there was definitely a little bit of both sidesism going on, like, you know, Prince Charles is not perfect, but neither is Prince Diana. I did feel like they, they did land pretty hard on the idea that it's like he was in love with Camilla the entire time. He really had no idea, you know, no time for Princess Diana and that he's never really been too sorry about that. But it is true that, I mean, that was the case. Another thing that I didn't know when we were growing up, that he was absolutely in love with somebody else. I remember mom even saying that when he and Princess Diana, I think it was after Princess Diana died and mom saying something like, well, at least he'll be free to marry Camilla now. And I'm like, Camilla? Who's that? So, What is it? The actress's name? Elizabeth Debicki, I think? Or I think so. I yeah, think so, definitely, but... definitely the actress who was in um, The Night Manager ah, and, nice. um, and The Kettering Incident, which is also a great single ep- uh, series of a TV show that should have gotten a second season but never did. Mm. So, yeah, she is the spitting image of Diana. She and, really is. And I feel like, in, you know, I've only watched the first episode of the season, and they may be doing a little both sideisms here with the storyline, but it's very clear that she is miserable that her husband won't love her, and her husband is miserable because he doesn't love his wife. And so I feel like they're making it clear who's the worst person. They're just not like deifying her or making him out to be the complete and total villain. But yeah, I liked the first episode, and I think everybody's doing a fantastic job. And just the switcheroo of the act you would think would throw everybody for a loop, but somehow they manage to make it work every time. They do, they do. And what's her name? Who's you know who played Dolores Ormbridge and is now playing the Queen? She does a great job the whole way through. My only problem with the storyline is that Diana and the Queen have a conversation at one point, and I'm like, I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel this conversation. I'm just like, I don't think any of that's true. I don't think a conversation like that ever happened, and I don't feel like the Queen really thought that way. It's just, it's. You know, Hannah was worried that they were being a little too nice to Prince Charles. I think it's entirely possible they're being a little too nice to the Queen. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. But, oh my God. Okay, so the prince who married an American in current times. Oh, um, 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 Meghan and fucking hell. It's not Prince Henry. Hang on. I'm going to have to Google it because I just don't follow this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I was talking with Nathan about this, and Nathan said, I really can't encompass how little I care about this entire situation. No, but it's true. It's true. Prince Harry is the, and, the, and younger, the younger of the two. And Meghan Markle, I think. Yes. Is the, yeah. yeah. 
Oh my God. Jeremy Clarkson, who used to be on Top Gear. And mm-hmm. now, I mean, I so much enjoy Jeremy Clarkson's farm, the TV series where he's decided mm-hmm. he's going to farm. And I'm, even though he made a total ass of himself, which is why he got fired from Top Gear. I yeah. just, I really enjoyed that. Okay. So he made a public statement today about how he hates Meghan Markle on a, like almost like a, on a cellular level. And he was not going to be satisfied until she was paraded naked down the street with everybody screaming shame, shame at her. <sighs> My God. And I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the visceral reaction people have to hating her. And Nathan said, it's because she's black. I'm like, even that doesn't seem to explain why everybody wants to make her to be the villain. I mean, sure, she's got some pretty classless relatives, but that's hardly her fault. So, and I mean, a lot of people are calling out Clarkson for being horrible. And that is a pretty misogynistic thing to say about anybody, especially somebody whose life has no bearing on yours at all. But I mean, I'm always going to be kind of tickled about the fact that Meghan Markle asked um, Bishop Curry, from who's the bishop of uh, the Episcopal Church, yeah. to be the um, uh, the priest for their wedding. Because oh. I've because I've been to services where Bishop Curry did the sermon, and he is just delightful. I mean, he's like <laughs> I, I describe his sermons as fire and brimstone without the brimstone, because he's just waving his arms around, and walking up and down the uh, the aisle, and telling stories and just being so enthusiastic and just such a beautiful person. So I, and I imagine the Royals probably were appalled. They were like, uh, is he having a stroke? But, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, this whole, and you know, we were talking about this last week about why we grew up not knowing all this stuff. And it really does show how, how different it is when it's not your royal family and it's in a completely different continent because I yeah. I feel like uh, tabloids have probably like fanned the flames on all of this and oh, made everybody absolutely. care so damn much about something that's got nothing to do with their lives. I, that's the thing. I'm just like they've is is any of it at Clarkson's reaction to her is any of it because they've actually like renounced the monarchy or something? Is he a royalist who thinks that they've abandoned the family or something? Maybe. Because I don't know that I've ever seen him give a whole lot of positive support for the monarchy to begin with. It doesn't seem like something that was really anything that he was concerned about. Um... I think it's possibly there's, is there a Netflix special out right now about yes. Harry and, and Meghan? Yes. Maybe they were too, he thought they were being too forward about their opinions or something, because it doesn't sound like the monarchy was very supportive of Harry marrying Meghan in the first place. And maybe no. Jeremy Clarkson thought they were talking out of turn. I don't know. No idea. I mean, it just, it seems really obvious that so many lives have been messed up by the monarchy saying, no, you can't marry this person. You're going to marry the other person. And then they get divorced. You know, maybe at this point they were just like, fine, marry who you want to marry. But seriously, I mean, I've heard some of the racist memes that have come out against Megan. I mean, just like, you think Americans sometimes have cornered the market on racism. I mean, some of this, like, oh, oh, my goodness, like, worse than blackface. You know, it's just awful. Yeah, because something came out of the news recently about an event where members of the Queen's staff, I think, were meeting with people. And there was this one woman who was talking with 
one of the ladies in waiting, I think, and the woman wanted to know, oh, where are you from? And it's that whole thing. It's like, I'm yeah. from, you know, Britain. I grew up here. My family grew up here. No, no, no. Where are you really from? And this yeah. idea that if you have a different skin tone, that means you're you're other. You're from another yeah. place. And, you know, sure, you say you were born here, but where you're really from is what part of the African continent. And yeah, exactly. that, I think that got a lot more of that into the news. But I don't know how, if any of the people in Britain, how ashamed they are of that, of that kind of attitude. I, I think it's probably just like here in the United States. I mean, there's people on both sides of the thing. I mean, I, I think it's funny, that whole idea. I feel like I grew up most of my life being unaware that as a white person telling someone, you're just like, oh, where are you from? Oh, blah, blah, blah. No, but where's your family from? You know, and I didn't didn't realize how hard that is to hear, though I did have a coworker at one point who is Latino and our boss had asked her, it's like, oh, where where are you from? And she's like, I mean, I grew up in San Diego. And he asked her something like, oh, no, but what tribe are you? Oh, God. Oh, God. You could get, get canceled for that shit nowadays. Yeah, this was like a this was my old boss who I think was, you know, basically a decent person, but I always felt like he was just managing to be politically correct with just like gripping onto it with his teeth and fingernails because he was from a good old boy network that didn't used to have to worry about stuff like that. And so yeah, some of the stuff that would come out of his mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, cringe. Uh, but anyway, I, long story short, I do actually recommend the season. I think it was good. Um, I think the storytelling choices are interesting and open to a lot of interpretation. Yeah, yeah well, um, I'm not watching much of anything else right now. Um, still working my way through the Hawkeye season, just enjoying all the Christmas Eve stuff about that. It's just so fun. Um, watched a couple of Red Letter Media episodes today where they were talking about Star Wars. And one was about Rogue One, and the other was about just the Mandalorian season. And it's really interesting because I'd never... They'd never really confirmed it so much before, but these guys are Team Star Trek. So they didn't like Rogue One because it did something different and they didn't really appreciate it. And it's. I I know it's so odd because I believe all the things they pointed out are absolutely valid. And I thought Rogue One was one of the best Star Wars movies I've seen. Nathan thinks it's one of the best ones they've made since Empire Strikes Back. I agree, yeah. It is interesting when you see some, you know, somebody have a completely different opinion, but they they bring the reasons so well that you can understand why they think that even if you don't actually agree with them. It's not like, oh, this is sucky. It's like, no, they actually brought the receipts for that. But um, they did like The Mandalorian. And one of the reasons why they liked it was they feel like it goes all the way back to what George Lucas first did in the first Star Wars movie, which was this odd combination of Eastern and Western storytelling because it was samurai and ronin and, you know, the big kendo swords turned into lightsabers but it's also a western so and i think i think that's that's absolutely true so i like the fact that they liked that one yeah god i gotta get caught up on like i haven't watched any of andor which i heard was really fun yeah i haven't heard anything bad about andor everybody seems to like it a lot yeah yeah and then there's other things i gotta get caught up on of course um the latest uh, Black Panther. I need to watch that. Oh God, yes. I yeah. the um Miss um, Marvel. No, what is it? Which the the Marvel TV series? I think it is Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah, Ms. Marvel. yeah. 
Everybody liked that one too. And I heard great things about She-Hulk, though I heard mixed stuff about She-Hulk. Some people liked it, some people don't. I think it's because She-Hulk is obviously going to be more tongue-in-cheek than some of the other ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Knives Out is out. And I haven't watched any of that. Uh, um, Avatar, the new Avatar, Avatar. movie. That, thank you, because I even said right before the podcast I wanted to mention this. So, of course, Hugh has just put up a review. I hope to have that up um, as time of this recording. I hope it went up a couple days ago. He liked it. He didn't give it an A+, but he did give it an A. I haven't read the whole review, but he definitely liked it. What astonishes me is that your friend David also liked it. Yep. And he and Hugh very rarely agree on movies, I've found. Yeah, and he thought the effects were great, and I think he thought the story was slightly better than the first one. Interesting. But, but yeah, I, I I hope it stays in the movie theater for a while, because uh, the first movie we actually saw in IMAX in 3D, and I think oh, wow. that was the way to see it. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to do that again. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. want to do it while it is still out um, You know, in the first couple of weeks when everybody's going to be mobbing the theater. Yeah, I, I ran across some random Twitter thread of movie theater workers who were dealing with the whole Avatar thing, and they're just like, oh my god, my life is hell. Just please, <laughs> please be nice to movie theater people. It's just, it's really, and Nathan of course worked in movie theaters before and had to deal with big weekends it's hard for a lot of reasons yeah well at least this isn't a marvel movie because nathan always hated the marvel movies because of those end credit sequences Mm -hmm. because the theater employees have a limited amount of time in between showings to clean the theater and an end credit scene means that people don't leave (laughs) i know that's why i like when you can go to various sites and they'll tell you is there an end credit scene no then i'll leave that'll That'll leave yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) but i guess that's going to wrap us up for the week so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews the movie reviews the comic book reviews the photo galleries Lauren has started sending me a few of her photos from LA Comic Con, so we're going to have those up. I already have photos from Rob. Um, you know, I think LA Comic Con. You've never been to the LA Convention Center, have you? I haven't. I don't think I've been to Los Angeles at all. Oh wow! Oh, the I like the Convention Center. It's. I feel like. I mean. The San Diego Comic-Con people did not like L.A. Comic-Con for a lot of different reasons, but L.A. Comic-Con has a lot of places to sit, and it has this main foyer, which I think is just perfect lighting for taking cosplay photos. Oh, that's good, because a lot of time that's the problem. When you go inside, the light becomes absolutely crap for taking photos. This one, just the circular area at the foot of the stairs, I've just, you can just, and you just walk around in circles and get pictures of cosplayers, so. But um, I think Lauren also had, like, an after party with a lot of celebrities that she got photos of, because she actually does this kind of stuff like professionally professionally where she gets down into the pit of concerts and takes these great photos so look out for all that definitely all that and more pixeladygeek.com so we already have i believe another nightville episode has dropped uh-huh. yep yeah so we'll be doing that next week it is also this is the final episode before christmas yay yes so a few days after this episode drops it will be christmas merry christmas to everybody all in sundry yes unless you're celebrating something different in which case very happy whatever you're holidays holidays holidays, we're gonna say happy holidays even if it's not politically correct for some people (laughs) yes i know it's fine we just we just want everybody to be happy is that okay yeah, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. I always watch out. I can't help but cry. I'm gonna go out, and I'm telling you why.
Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus ain't coming. Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. What's that sound? Mars.